the Gritty Growing Up podcast. Because mental health conversations don't have to be uncomfortable and argumentative. Gritty Growing Up is about challenging the perceptions of childhood and recognising that whilst it isn't what it used to be, we can still make it positive. Join us as we share conversations, knowledge and strategies to help your family connect and move forward together. And welcome back to Gritty Growing Up. Now this week we're exploring another concept that involves so many children who are neurodiverse. Now in all the years I've been working as a therapist and as coach, as the last few years have progressed, I've seen more and more young people that have had neurodiverse diagnosis. And that's increasing with the amount that are still waiting for a diagnosis. So often I speak to so many people who are like, do you just think it was the lockdown that caused it? And if you've been listening to my podcast or reading my articles for a while, you'll know that we've spoken at length about the fact that lockdown just removed all the structure that for so many had just kept their heads above water. And with the lack of structure, the lack of visual cues, the lack of routines and just the lack of involvement and interaction that people so often needed to help them keep themselves moving forward. We've just seen an escalation in people who are suddenly aware that they're really struggling to cope. Now, something that you often see with young people who are ADHD and ASD is rejection sensitivity. And it's where there's this really strong belief or of a perceived rejection of other people that young people will truly believe that other people don't like them. And very often this belief system isn't in context with the situation itself. And the young people will be adamant that, you know, their teachers hate them, their friends hate them, that they're not wanted and those around them, those adults around them will often be saying to them, but that's not true, it's not the case. But to them, it's a really strong and very real feeling. And this concept of rejection sensitivity sort of allows us to understand that for young people who are neurodiverse and for some neurotypical children and adults, actually this perception of rejection can come in many ways. It might be that they've received some negative feedback, that someone has actually criticised them or given them constructive feedback about some work. It might be that they had outcomes that they wanted to happen from an interaction or a friendship and it's not happened as expected. They might find that actually their friends just can't spend time with them that week and they've taken that as a personal vendetta or this feeling, you know, my friends just don't like me anymore, I've been rejected, they they hate me. And it might be because their friends haven't answered a text message or a call. It might be that there's been delays to responding to invitations or not being invited to something or feeling that they should have been invited to something and perhaps it wasn't feasible. Rejection sensitivity means that someone expects to be rejected. They've got a limiting belief that they are going to be rejected and that people don't want them. And it can lead to really quite dramatic or out of context responses when they might feel that they could be rejected this will just kick in and that lack of self-esteem coupled with rejection sensitivity has a really dire impact on their mental health even if it's not the reality even if none of this is actually happening and when they ask the other person the other person gives them a very different perspective on it for them that feeling was very true it therefore really affects their ability to be able to read the person or sometimes even the room Rejection sensitivity can be triggered by so many things, from facial expressions, comments, interactions, a text or message that has or hasn't been responded to, reading or seeing things online, not being invited to something, seeing their friends at something that they're not at. And it can really mean that they misinterpret, distort or dramatise a situation. 
which means that a really simple situation can easily be blown out of proportion and that they often find it very challenging to accept their role in it and understand that their responses might not have been justified. Now, for young people exploring friendships and relationships, this can be really tricky to manage. And for many parents that I work with, they find it really hard to understand because even though they're explaining that, you know, there might be other sides of this and other perspectives, that young person will be adamant that that one is true. In rejection sensitivity, that individual is looking for signs that they're going to be rejected. And it often means that they miss the signs that say they're wanted, included or appreciated. They miss the signs that tell them that they're loved and cared for and wanted. And they instead fixate on all the things that don't go right and often miss all the positives in their friendships or relationships. Their default is to always look for evidence that people don't want them. And in any event where something doesn't go to plan or they don't receive the attention that they want or need, they will instantly default to rejection, which creates an emotional response in their bodies. It creates that fight-flight reaction. It creates high levels of anxiety and stress and it becomes their safety gauge. And they start to try to protect themselves from rejection, which actually in reality means that they very often push people away or lose friendships because the other person is also struggling with their reactions or behaviours. The friend who's involved can find it incredibly challenging to keep trying to put it in perspective, to keep trying to reassure, to have anything they've said thrown back in their face every five minutes. And because so often this can lead to very argumentative or very challenging interactions, so frequently the friend will just become tired, become exhausted of trying to explain and instead choose to go and spend time with other people. So the individual with rejection sensitivity might find that they're actually behaving in lots of different ways and there isn't a one-size-fits-all. There's no cookie-cutter approach in rejection sensitivity. Every young person will have their own unique responses. So they might push people away. They might ignore people, ghost on people, fixate on a comment or situation to justify pushing a person away. They might say very offensive or hurtful things. They might refuse to take responsibility or blame someone else. They might get angry or distressed. They might push people away and then start flooding them with contact afterwards or start arguments or start fights with them. You might find that actually they do spend time with that person but they just constantly have to be in attack mode. And this can often cause a huge atmosphere in friendships. And this can also mean that when they perceive a rejection that they're going to push that person away or cut them off before they've even had a chance to reject them just so that they can protect themselves. And this can create huge challenges as inadvertently that child or that teenager or that adult might end up cutting off friendships or relationships for all the wrong reasons and cause themselves a huge deal of pain, which was avoidable, and lose friendships with people that actually really cared about them. And this becomes really tricky for parents and professionals, for your teachers and your staff in schools to be able to support because... I've worked with young people for 24 years and rejection sensitivity isn't something that's ever been covered in that time. And in the 10 years that I spent teaching and the years that I spent working in the early years, it wasn't an aspect of interactions that we really focused on. And therefore, a lot of young people who are ADHD, who are ASD, who do struggle with some of these interactions, will very often walk away feeling like there is just something wrong with them or that nobody likes them and not ever learn why they react in the way they do. And when this then starts sort of ebbing its way into romantic relationships, it can cause huge conflicts because it can create a large quantity of arguments. The person who is 
has the rejection sensitivity might continually be accusing their partner of cheating on them or that they've done something wrong or that they've said something wrong or starting arguments because they didn't like the way that they've looked at them or behaved or said something. And this can cause such a detrimental impact on those connections. And the person with ADHD may often blame the other person and the person on the receiving end of it genuinely doesn't know what they've done wrong. And because it's such a hypervigilant response, it can cause so much damage to relationships and cause so much hurt to both parties. And I genuinely think if this was something that we spoke about more openly, that we actually helped more young people understand and we helped them to support those needs and recognise their warning systems, that we could probably save a great deal of friendships and relationships as children get older. Now, some examples of everyday situations that might be affected by rejection sensitivity include a friend not replying to a text straight away. Now, this might be coupled with situations such as if a friend texts the person who is rejection sensitive and they don't respond straight away, that person will feel that's okay. But if they've sent a text and it's not responded to straight away, then it's not acceptable. Which then creates this kind of concept of one or the other parties accusing the other one of double standards and feeling quite a lot of hurt because one side's being criticised for not replying whilst the other party is okay. Now, when we couple this with the concept that those with ADHD require visual cues, if they've opened a text and not replied, they might forget to reply to a text for quite a period of time. Whereas if they've sent a text, they're waiting for the next visual cue. And so if they then perceive that as a rejection, they can then get quite angry or quite frustrated or just become quite negative in their reactions to things and feel that person didn't want them. And when that person then says, well, you didn't reply to my message, they take that as another rejection. So we can really see how this can very quickly become a cycle of anxiety and just destruction, destruction to relationships and self-esteem and to confidence. It might be a friend that's busy and can't attend an event. It might be a friend who's got other friends that they also like to spend time with. It might be seeing photos of a friend at an event and they weren't invited to it. Or a partner who's busy or has other plans. Or a partner who's perhaps not answering their phone or needs some downtime. A teacher who gives constructive feedback to try and help but it's perceived as being a negative. Or a friend or adult who's highlighting a weakness or a mistake that's been made. And the reactions that come out of this can be so varied. From assuming that no one likes them, being angry or irrational intense responses of anger might be being quite irrational uh, in terms of being told that maybe someone's not free or if someone says that they're busy being angry or aggressive becoming very jealous ignoring responses or explanations or talking over the other person being anxious in their attachments or very avoidant in their attachments being fixated or stuck on the negative feedback just not being able to move past it being fixated on finding evidence that someone has hurt them that someone's wrong, that someone's bad. Being stuck in thoughts about someone's comments, just being unable to listen to any other ideas or misinterpreting small cues or harmless responses. For instance, a joke or a comment is taken the wrong way. Might be fixating on someone who's not available, not on the memories that they already have and the great things that they've done. Cutting people off with no explanation or avoiding someone. Spending time with other people but blaming the other person. Being angry at someone 
or who isn't available, but not balancing this with their own commitments and the fact that sometimes they're not available. Fixating on anything someone does that can be perceived as negative to justify the feelings that they're having. Bypassing any positive interactions or memories with a friend in favour of the negatives. Or an appearance of double standards, being angry if someone criticises them but criticising others and feeling that that's acceptable. And the difficulty that we have is that the person with rejection sensitivity actually just wants close relationships. They actually desperately desire those good friendships, those really strong, solid connections. But this constant miscommunication between behaviours that are happening and their interpretation can just mean that they become completely stuck in a belief system. And this just causes them to feel more isolated and lonely, perhaps even jealous of those who have really relaxed interactions. In situations where they've pushed a really good friend away or that friend has just got to a point of exhaustion and can't cope anymore, they can find that incredibly difficult if that person then moves on. And because those with rejection sensitivity really want to be liked, it means they can try too hard to be liked or default to people-pleasing and then when they are perceiving being rejected, they push them away and sometimes can be quite angry but then desperately try to inundate that person to bring them back whether that's flooding their phone with text messages or phone calls or constantly like interacting with their social media or turning up at their house unannounced, which creates this massive push-pull sensation in friendships and relationships, which can be all-encompassing for both parties. And it can cause a huge quantity of distress. To the individual with rejection sensitivity, they just desire that connection. The person on the receiving end can feel hurt, they can be negatively impacted by those interactions, they can feel particularly distressed themselves, but very often for that person with rejection sensitivity that can be missed. In later adolescence and adulthood, rejection sensitivity can cause accusations of friends or partners of not liking them, cheating, leaving them. It can cause massive problems with making accusations that there's no evidence for, other than a gut feeling that perhaps can't be trusted. This perception and constant hump for evidence can often mean that, you know, just the smallest action, a late reply to a message or forgetting to make a phone call can be misread and lead to conflict. And it sometimes can sort of impact that person that it doesn't matter what they say, no matter how much they explain what's happening, it won't be believed because once that person with rejection sensitivity has made up their mind they're stuck, they're caught in it, and they're in this cycle that they've justified to themselves, this is what's happening, this is what the sensation is, and it goes in line with their anxiety level that they're experiencing. As age happens and we grow and we develop and our relationships change, it can often lead to a huge quantity of jealousy and time seeking out evidence that they are being abandoned. And the smallest mistake can start to be something huge. In cases where there is a real perception of rejection that's been created, that individual will really seek out other connections and it can lead to a real breakdown for them in terms of their reactions and their relationships. Where a friend or partner's on the receiving end of it, they can often just retreat for their own self-care and that just further exasperates the feelings of rejection and the cycle continues, especially if that friend is taking some time out or just kind of quietly ghosts away for a little while with the full intent of coming back but just needing a break. Now... Whilst we see rejection sensitivity predominantly in those with ADHD and ADD, there is evidence that it's seen in autism and there is evidence that it's also seen in those who have experienced trauma, abuse and neglect and in those with social anxiety. And I'm sure for many people listening, you will have someone that you know who perhaps really struggles with interpreting other people's reactions. And 
it's not an overnight solve. So much of managing rejection sensitivity is actually spending a lot of time sort of reviewing social interactions to actually have that time in coaching or therapy or both to really look and examine different types of responses and reactions and learning to understand when our gut instincts are correct and when they might be misleading to really examine our limiting beliefs and understand how they can help us but also how they can hinder us so we really need to spend quite a large quantity of time with that young person really supporting them to manage rejection sensitivity and this isn't something you can just do when they're younger it's something you will keep coming back and revisiting so you might start this when the children are a lot younger but revisit it in early adolescence later adolescence and again in adulthood and for those in romantic relationships it may be something that is consistently managed and supported through those romantic relationships to really help those young people become adults who can understand their reactions and needs and can find the right strategies to put it in place. And so I think our takeaway from today is to really take some time to consider if we have young people we're working with who have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or attention deficit disorder and are really struggling with their friendships, to start examining some of the language that goes with that to start thinking how they're talking about their friendships and just identify if there are a consistent trend of situations where they feel like their friends just don't like them but perhaps the evidence doesn't quite match up with what's happening and it might just lead us to have a suspicion that perhaps this young person might be struggling with a belief that people don't like them that doesn't match the reality. Stay safe, keep open-minded, and we'll look forward to sharing more gritty moments with you next time. If you want to up your knowledge in the meantime, head over to dandeliontraininganddevelopment.com.